From the historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop pod for reviews, discussion, examination, and speculation of all things Trek. Tonight, we are talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 10, Season Finale, titled Hegemony. I knew you were I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, hegemony. It's hedge money, guys. It's hedge money. <laughs> season 2 finale. <laughs> hegemony, written by Henry Alonzo Myers and directed by Maja Vervillo. I am your host, Scott Madison, reminding you that when the Gorn attack, you should shelter in place. Hashtag woke track. Joining me for this conversation, we have the usual collection of fine, fine podcasters that you all know and love from this very show. Going around the table, we have joining us silently, as he is not able to record with us tonight, but he will be contributing now and then, and I will be reciting his thoughts for him we have John Irons. How are you? Excellent. Glad to hear it. We're also joined by uh, uh, founder, creator, and writer for Super Anime. I don't know what, what title you like for that, but the the mind Grand behind. Poobah. Grand Poobah behind superanemic.com. <laughs> we have Neek Yeager. How are you? I I couldn't come up with a quote for this week because the episode was like a whole week ago and I can't remember that far back. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us as well, we have the Admiral Rick. Rick, how's it going? I also couldn't come up with a quote because this was a dark ass episode and there wasn't a whole lot of just funny quips. <laughs> Hi. I suppose that's true. <laughs> I, I got nothing for that. Um, also joining us once again, uh, we have the other Madison, lesser, greater, you decide. We have Tom Madison joining <laughs> us. How are you? There are plenty of good quips, like that's a lot of lieutenants and there'll be a quiz. <laughs> there were in fact a lot of lieutenants, but our final panelist and some lieutenants too. And some lieutenants and our final panelist who is no lieutenant nor lieutenant. It is the hegemon himself co-founder of the infinite potato we have sean ray how's it going you call me lieutenant junior grade or whatever whatever he calls himself in this but i will say that i don't know how much help i'll be because i watched this episode once and it was about a week and a half ago so <laughs> but i'm here <laughs> he's here you'll have something to say john if says I the hedgehog ray my nickname <laughs> in basic training was hedgehog because no one could say tetro they just this <laughs> tetralt and then someone said hedgehog <laughs> <laughs> i 
Sorry, John. I didn't see that in time. Rick beat me to the punch. I had cause. I've had worse nicknames. I mean, it's just. (laughs) (laughs) All right. As we always do, we're going to go around the table real quick and we're going to get everyone's uh, quick headline thoughts on this latest episode. Uh Oh, I've been fired. Rick, you are the voice of John. I am. It's what it says right there. (laughs) I'm fired. Rick, you're up. That's it. You're the voice of John. We're going to go around the table, have everyone give their, their quick thoughts on what they thought of this episode overall, just in general. And we're going to start at the top. Sean, what did you think of hegemony? And not my favorite episode of the season, but it was for for a I like action trek. I mean, I like when New Trek does action. Uh, you know, I like a lot of the discovery um action oriented episodes and stuff, and this kind of was along those lines. So I, I enjoyed the episode. I had a a few problems with it, but uh I do like that we all made the joke that um the first time the Gorn showed up on the show, it was a lot like Alien. We even called the Gorn the Xenomorph or the Gornomorph or whatever. But I really like that they really leaned into that. And just this is basically Alien 3. <laughs> uh, so other than that, I mean, I, I have a, I have other things to say. But overall, I, I, if I had to give it a thumbs up, thumbs down, I'd say thumbs up. It was a good episode. All right. I, I don't know that I can really get behind the notion and it's not just you, Sean, I've seen this all in the few places that I look on the internet because I don't really dive into the star Trek, um, fan community online much anymore because too many of them bother me. Um, but what I have seen, there's been a lot of comparisons to the alien franchise, specifically alien three. And other than one shot where it's Marie and a Gorn face to face with each other, I, I don't think there's really all that much there, there. For this and the fact alien that comparison. the Gorn impregnated her, basically. Uh, Just like Alien 3. Uh, <laughs> or Alien 2. <laughs> or or <laughs> any aliens. Well, I mean, if you're comparing if you're comparing it to the alien impregnating Ripley, that was that was Alien 3, right? Yeah. And it, yeah. So Tom, what did you think of the episode? Uh I did like it. Uh, yeah, there's there there's a lot of callback. Um, it continues the strange new world um, exploration of all kinds of different genres, but um, I, I don't. I, I thought it was a good episode, and I was disappointed that it was a cliffhanger because you know it, I was just waiting for things to keep going there. You know, I heard a lot of people online uh, complaining that it was a cliffhanger. But I also remember that when when they were coming up with the concept for the show, everybody was saying they want it to be more like Trek from the 90s. Episodic and everything. Trek from the 90s always ended the season in a cliffhanger. So, I mean, that's exactly what, that's exactly what everybody asked for. <laughs> it would, uh, yeah. Uh, Although TOS only had of one two-part episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was only one. Yeah. I thought there, I thought there was two. I don't know why. Um, all right then, uh, Rick, what did you think of this episode overall? Overall, I liked it. Uh, you know, there were some issues which we'll discuss as we go along, but for the most part, it was tightly written, tightly edited. Uh, 
well well paced. Um, <clears throat> I don't think they did any more with the Gorn taking them down the alien route than they did originally. Uh, I was very glad we got to see the adult Gorn. I would have been. I would have been. At first, I was upset when we when we first saw younglings, and I'm like, oh geez. But then we saw the adult, and and that was cool. Uh, I have a little trouble, a, a little problem with some of Pike's actions, but we'll we'll talk about that later. Uh, overall, I think this was a really good, solid season finale, and yeah, I I wasn't surprised when to be continued came up. I wasn't upset about it. Um, but I was, I, it, it was like, all right, cool. You know, we're, we're, we're getting back into the, the, the Trek cliffhanger at the end of the season, which we haven't seen for a while. So I was, I was down with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I liked how it was different than, than the first season because season one ended with, with questions and having us wonder, Oh, how's this going to get resolved in season two? But it wasn't in, in the middle of a, uh, of a of a pitched battle where they just cut it off and say it, they they best of both worlds is did us with yes. this one as opposed to just setting up some problems at the end like they did at the end of season one yeah bring bringing <clears throat> so I, the story to a pause is not a cliffhanger what they mm-hmm. did for this one was a cliffhanger yeah good old-fashioned all right next up neek Overall, what did you think? Thought it was okay. Uh, the action adventure ups are never my favorite, but it, it was fine. I didn't dislike it. It was fine. I like it. Very concise, as is your way. <laughs> concise, <laughs> because. <laughs> All right, and finally, um, we do have a, a quick overview from John. Rick, would you please? Oh, I thought he said that you could read his stuff now. All right. <laughs> no, he said, I'm fired and you're up. <laughs> John says, I thought it was fine. I kind of glaze over the more horror type episodes, but no real complaints. I don't like season cliffhangers, but there's more of a, that's more of a preference, not a complaint. Also not a surprise. As you say, Sean, it's a Trek tradition. Once again, Nick and I are on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> and as for myself, um, yeah, I thought the episode was fine. Um, if, if I had, uh, if I had my druthers, then a season finale while being exciting, like, like this one more or less was, um, in the, uh, in, in the strange new worlds tradition, I guess one might say I, they've been pretty good at hitting solid emotional notes when they want to, but there weren't a whole lot of emotional notes in this episode. This was a, uh, not not to say that it was that it was bland that it was uh that that it was bereft of emotion but n- nothing that that really reached out and and grabbed me uh from a from an emotional standpoint um there were good character moments there were good story moments but it wasn't a um what the, the, the um, oh, the the episode just a few episodes ago with uh, uh, Mbenga and and the flashbacks. I can't remember the the name of the episode. Under the cloak of war. Under. Mash. Mash. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Strange new worlds. Mash. Um, that 
was an emotional episode. This one yeah. less so. Um, but I think that there is they, they've set themselves up uh, with potential to to really hit the emotional notes harder in the second half of this story, which we'll get when we get it. Uh, but aside from that, very well put together. I agree with, agree with Rick that the uh, that the pacing was great, uh, kept things moving quick. And it, they did manage to give us a couple surprises, which I'm sure we'll get to. And one very big misstep, but we'll get to that oh, as well. Really? Oh, okay. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, uh, first up in my notes, I've got, uh, how about those Gorn? Sometimes a monster is just a monster. Um, uh, now whoever wants to speak up first, just go ahead and jump in. Just overall, what do we think of... Uh, how the Gorn were presented. We see an adult Gorn. Yay. It looks like Beautiful. a youngling, just bigger. Nah. Well, I mean, what did, what did we expect? I mean, it was, it was bipedal. Uh, I loved the fact <laughs> that it was a guy in a suit, which was, it was, it was, did you all not watch the ready room for this episode? Uh, I haven't watched that all season. <laughs> That was a guy in a suit. Now, now they've been doing the Gorn as practical effects with some G- CG augmentation since they started using the Gorn. But that was a dude in a suit, and it was all wire work, that, that zero-G battle. None um, of that was CG, except for, like, the, I think the tail and some, you know, the, the it, was, it was all practical. I did see some behind-the-scenes uh, clips on TikTok where they were... They were showing somebody with a Gorn puppet and doing some green screen stuff. Yeah, the the so. dude in the Gorn suit, I forget his name, but uh, very much like in, in Alien, he was like he's like six foot four, six foot six, uh, and that whole thing was practical except for the tail, and that was all done with with uh, with wire work. That is surprising because at, at this point, I assume that if it's not. If it's not a a human person actor that we can see their face, that it's all CG at this point because it's everywhere. I I will suggest that you watch this week the this week's the the this finale the finale ready room. He didn't have any guests. It was just most of the of the episode was Will at the special effects company talking about how they did the Gorn and showing him the Gorn helmet, the Gorn head, the Gorn body. Uh, all of the effects that they used, he got to operate one of the the, the youngling puppets. Uh, they were it, it was really fascinating. It's it's practical effects, which is this. I used to love that stuff. Uh, you know, I, I I think I've gone on about it before. I you know when they start getting into practical effects, I become really fascinated by how it's done again. Mm-hmm. And this was ninety percent practical effects. You remember in uh, Enterprise when we had to get an explanation as to what happened to Klingon Ridges? Are we going to get an explanation as to what happened to the Gorn's tail? Because uh, they not. didn't have it. They didn't have a tail on the arena. <laughs> it's a hegemony. It's not just one planet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John says this season's ready rooms have been good. He also says, "Oh, I don't doubt baby. it." Hello, my honey. Yeah. Hello, my ragtime. I don't doubt it. I just haven't taken the time to sit down and watch any of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, I meant to watch. They haven't. They haven't been any for the most part. Haven't been any different 
than any other, you know, Will gushes, the actors talk. There hasn't been a whole lot of, of creators on it. So I've kind of tended to fast forward through them. But this last one, it was that he had no guests. It was all him visiting the, the, the special effects company. They also did, I think they also did one of their, one of their segments was an interview with the costumers and they're just amazing as well. I, I did see that episode of the ready room. That was good. I, I like seeing how the costumes are put together because so many of them just look so good. There yeah. are too many jackets from the show. We talk about want. those leather, uh, sorry, bug, <laughs> those leather. I thought you were jackets. just really excited about these leather jackets. You kind of, <laughs> oh, can we talk about this on a turtle? Can we talk about the goddamn jackets? Because <laughs> the cat wants to go out on the porch and the bugs come. Anyway, um, yeah, those those leather field jackets they were wearing on the planet that totally was not the Paramount backlot. <laughs> well, it was. Uh, um, they film in Ontario, right? So that was the oh. same set that uh, they filmed an episode. Well, they filmed like a lot of scenes from that TV show Reacher that came out last year. They filmed mm-hmm. that there, and all the uh, all the scenes in the in the first in the first chapter of it, the one where they were all kids. They filmed a lot of that stuff in Derry, at in that, and they just go back and like dress it. So like, yeah, we've got we got this free set that's already set that's already here. So let's just pretend like there's a planet that looks a lot like an old town. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a few futuristic looking kiosks around and which the original Trek did that. I mean, they filmed uh, city on the edge of forever was yeah, totally they... Mayberry. I mean, it was Floyd's barber shop behind him. So well, and Mir- <laughs> Mary as well. They, they used the yeah. same plate, the same set. Yeah. They built entire episodes of TOS around whatever sets they had lying around that they could use this one. They said, we, we need a setting for this episode and they found one. And I, I, I thought it worked well. It was a, a quaint, clever little idea and it gives them storefronts that they can duck into to hide from the Gorn. So it, it worked out. I, I didn't find the setting to be all that hugely important. No, I just, um, I just thought it was funny because they, you know, captain's log were, were helping out this, this colony that. They they based the colony on Midwest U.S. twentieth century yeah. for some reason. <laughs> Seemed a little unnecessary to include that in the log. We we can <laughs> see it. Just just let us go with it. By the um, way, I be, before we go on, and and I'm going to shut up after this. I promise. I have to admit, I was wrong. So if you want to note the date and time, <laughs> <laughs> what specifically? Uh, <laughs> Pike hasn't had the fleet captain badge on since the one episode we saw him wear it. And I said, I bet he's going to keep it on in perpetuity. That's a good point. And I did not catch that, but yeah, that, that surprises me. I figured that was them taking the opportunity to give Pike a, a slight uh, promotion to show that he's moving up in the world as we get closer to, you know, his uh, really bad day. <clears throat> Oh, wait, Melty Face Day, that's what they call it. <laughs> um, no, but before we move on um, off off the Gorn, we've been talking about uh, the, the the visuals for the Gorn, what they look like. Uh, but we haven't talked about uh, their role in this particular episode or story. Um, do we think that considering the young baby Gorn are behaving in ways that uh, we haven't seen before that Laan hasn't seen before. Um, 
we're, we're learning more stuff about the Gorn. They are drawing a line and say, Federation, you stay over there. You can't come over here. Um, all this, to me, seems like they are building up to um, a part two reveal, having something to do with the Gorn, particularly with Pike's line in this episode, sometimes monster is just a monster. I feel like they're going to hit us with something in part two, whenever season three comes out that shows they're not actually the monsters that we think they are. They're just misunderstood. Not saying they're going to be good guys, but we don't understand everything about them. The way they look right now, the way that they're showing them to us, they look like monsters. They look very animalistic and it makes it hard for me to believe that they are a spacefaring race that they build ships and, and, and travel space and all that when they they look like velociraptors, you know, <laughs> I know velociraptors can open doors, but, <laughs> but that was a detail I liked from this episode that the, the Gorn that um, chapel encounters on the ship was trying to do something, was trying to access systems. Mm-hmm. And so we can't go by the theory that they're just monsters who somehow acquired warp technology from someone else. The, we have to assume they're intelligent enough that they're, they've come up with their own tech, that they are as smart as any other spacefaring species. Now, so that doesn't make them monsters in the, in the, I mean, I guess you have to define the term monster. Are they bad guys? Yes because they're killing people. They're landing on a planet and decimating it. So yes, they're bad guys. I guess there would be yet another analogy in Star Trek for Nazis or, you know, take your dictator of choice where they, whatever it is that's driving them, even if it's as simple as food, we have to treat them like monsters because they are genociding us. Yeah. So for uh, April to say like, oh, you know, we, we don't want to risk a war. No, we can't do this. And, and, you know, don't go save our people because that would be risky. It's like, well, the damage is done. They've already decimated a planet. And even though it's not a Federation planet, we still have a responsibility to defend whoever's survived. So I found it unbelievable, unless April is now being set up to be yet another bad Merle, I found it unbelievable that he would not allow Pike and the Enterprise to go help whoever could be helped. I, I think that April was doing what he was ordered to do. I think if April really was... was towing the line he would have pulled pike from the mission instead he was like you're not going to let your 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 emotions get to you right chris wink (laughs) and chris and pike's like no not at all wink bye i think they (laughs) both knew what they were saying yeah i think april had to had to follow his orders but if he was if he was in if he would agreed with the orders I think it would have said, Chris, you're too close to this. We're sending the Excalibur. I mean, I said April, but I guess I mean Starfleet. Like, oh, why, Starfleet, yeah. Well, well Why yeah. would Starfleet give such a an evil order? But, I mean, you know, that's not inconsistent. We've always had Starfleet brass being portrayed as 
either incompetent or downright evil. So, and that's, I mean, that's a whole podcast in and of itself, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stick well, it we've only, we, We've been following the Enterprise through this entire series, obviously, because the show's about the Enterprise, but we have to remember that they, they're not that long after they've been, they were in a war until very recently. So we don't know what kind of a, a after effects the Federation are still uh, reeling from that war and uh, trying to not get into another one, you know, right away. And um, th- there's, there's precedent for that because we've seen uh, uh, other instances where, where immediately after a serious conflict, Starfleet doesn't make the best decisions. After the Dominion War, Starfleet allowed um, uh, Admiral What's-His-Name in Insurrection to displace an entire population of a planet so they could steal their 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 uh, get your groove on particles from from their planet rings. Yeah, you might want to read some of the stuff that John's writing because I'm, if you, I'm waiting. If I'm you, trying to get a. <laughs> if, if you ignore his uh, his post, he gets he gets angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, John John has said Velociraptors are very smart. Agreed, Neek. Uh, he says even Vulcans have to give in to urges every few years. Speaking about the, I, I presume the 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 Gorn acting up. Uh, it's not too far a stretch for alien races or animals on Earth to see humans like the Gorn. And the fact that the Gorn are on the line between monsters and enemies, they have the same political boundary issues as they have with Klingons or Romulans. Just these guys are more beast-like. And thank you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, John, uh, you know, mentioned the urges there, and I think. When we said earlier about, you know, is there going to be a big reveal about the intention of the corn? I think that was really uh, alluded to with uh, Scotty and um, Sam Kirk when, you know, they, they kind of hypothesized that it was that uh, coronal mass ejection that triggered the corn. Um, I think that's, you know, that's, I think it's going to be the reveal in the second part is that yes it really was the case that and it caused him to go on a feeding frenzy but does that matter does it matter for that no but that's going to be their their reasoning and who knows if it's going to if you know the corner going to shake out of it and go oh you know our bad probably not but it doesn't matter if you you were triggered by whatever. If you kill someone, you're a murderer. So there's it doesn't matter what triggered the Gorn to do this. They did it. I, I think, and, and John says, agree, that's how they'll beat them, at least for now. And I, I agree. I think that's what we're going to see in the second half of this, is that they're going to figure out a light pattern that sends the Gorn back into dormancy or whatever, and then they're going to retreat and we won't hear from them until Cestus 3. Leave the data. Granted, yeah, we'll be... I, I hope we're wrong because that'll be cheesy as hell, but that certainly seems to be what they're setting up. Mm-hmm. Um, John makes an excellent point by saying Gorns be tripping, am I right? <laughs> Did uh, I have to admit I stole this from Trek culture? Um, but then when I saw the episode again, I did catch it. 
the outstanding musical cues in this episode. They brought in a little horn theme or some of the TOS reminiscent music. It was very TOS music in this episode. Yes. I noticed that too, yeah. But when the Gorn ship first came uh, through the clouds, um, you could hear some of that theme from Arena. Those trilling violins that were a really big, that, that sting before they cut to commercial yep. in TOS all the time, yeah. But yeah, the whole episode had very TOS reminiscent music from that episode. Yeah. And I didn't need track culture to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> this this is one of those times where I'm uh, where I'm glad that uh, we have Tom here because he's going to pick up on music stuff better than me. I try to listen for it, but I I often miss it. But he was in for the save. And John says it won't be cheesy if they write it smartly. After uh, after what I said, I did laugh when Pike said, uh, "Well, I'm not breaking in the song every ten minutes." So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was nice to see a couple of of. Uh, callbacks to previous episodes in, in this season, which is, you know, something Trek has often been anathema to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed, uh, Pelia saying, if you had answered like that in my class, I would have given you an A plus. I thought that was funny. Well, and Pike, you know, he had the, he had the medallion that, that Patel gave him and yeah. comment about not breaking into song. I, I wasn't saying that was the only other no, one. No, I didn't I say it was. I'm like just saying that there were other things. <laughs> I was not part of your, I know you guys did an episode where you kind of talked about the season overall and I haven't listened to it yet. So you may have already Neither talked about we. this, <laughs> but are we at all disappointed that Pelia didn't get we didn't find out more about her this season because that there was, was a lot that was brought up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We covered that at length. Yeah. Okay. I, I will leave I, it to that then. I, I fully expect that she's going to be back again next season. I, I, I figured that uh, to, to wrap up our conversation in this episode, we'll probably be doing a little bit of um, theorizing of what we're going to see next season. Uh, but to get one out of the way, I really expect that Pelia is going to continue to be the engineer next season. But Scotty is, I think Scotty is going to join the cast uh, and be like the, the assistant engineer. And he, that's, that's going to, he, he's going to work his way up and eventually replace Pelia. But I think they're both going to be in next season. And you know what? We're, I'm jumping ahead in the notes. I'll circle back later to the stuff that I'm, that I'm skipping, but uh, we'll just get to it right now. Uh, Scotty's here. Everyone, go. Sean, what'd you have to say? I don't... Okay. I mean, I don't want to be the naysayer. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I didn't really see the point in him being here. Because this 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 part that he played in this episode could have been anybody. It didn't have to be Scotty. And I feel like... I mean, Rick, you know more about Star Trek than I do. I will, I'll hand you that. But I felt like he was too young. I feel like because he's supposed to be the third in command of the flagship in five years. And he's like a Lieutenant junior grade at this point. So I don't know how that's, I know you can move up the ranks fast. People can move up the ranks fast. I mean, uh, the, the Kelvin timeline, Kirk became a, a captain right out of the Academy. <laughs> well, also keep keeping in mind in, in next generation season two, when Jordy became chief engineer, He's he's just a lieutenant. He's not even a, a lieutenant commander when he yeah, that's true. starts. That is true. I don't okay. remember what Scotty's rank is in in uh, where no man has gone before, but I think he's just a lieutenant. And and to to Sean's question, uh, 
of not understanding like what was the point of having Scotty there. The point of having Scotty there is because he's going to be part of the cast in season three. Yeah, they just wanted to get him in there. Yeah, the, this was how they introduced him for for next season. And and Tom, before you uh, before you jump in, uh, John points out that the best way that Strange New Worlds is tapping into '90s Trek is by doing what '90s sci-fi did so well: episodic shows with hints throughout to a season-long thing. Scotty and and also Scotty is canonically young for his rank. John is quoting canon. <laughs> they, they alluded to um, <laughs> they alluded to zombie movies. I mean, they made a joke out of it in the episode, but this episode was basically a zombie movie because you think about it in a zombie movie, you have the you have the zombies running around outside. They're they're attacking things, and and there's a group of people that hole up somewhere. You know, whether it be a shopping mall or, a, you know, like like in uh, Dawn of the Dead and stuff like that. And that's what they did here. And then they find that one character that's been there for a while so that he can give them the the data dump, you know, of of uh, what's going on and stuff. But I don't know. I think it was more tremors. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> does, does anyone think that it's possible that they mentioned zombie movies? Uh, with Spock specifically not understanding it and they need to explain it to him because uh, Spock's sister is Michael Burnham played by Sonequa Martin-Green who was on The Walking Dead. I think that's that, that's a reach only you no. would go for, sir. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't even my idea. I found it. I stole it from someplace else, but I was just putting it out there. I think um, everybody's been in The Walking Dead at, at some point. <laughs> uh, the Walking Dead is kind of like the MCU. Everyone goes through it at some point. <laughs> going back, going back to Scotty, uh, I have seen also people bitching about Scotty being there and not saying you're bitching about it, Sean, uh, just people whining online. Uh, I don't give a, f- I loved that Scotty was there. Uh, I, I am well known for welcoming being pandered to. This was not outrageous. This was not, uh, a, a stretch. No, it didn't need to be Scotty, but there's no reason it couldn't be him either. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, there was, it, it was fine. Uh, you know, it, it, <clears throat> you could look at it as, wow, what a coincidence. But then again, it could also be, this is why Montgomery Scott wanted to get on the enterprise mm-hmm. after this, this adventure, however it ends up. Or Pike goes, this guy is really good and we need engineers because clearly we only have one and she's grumpy as f- two and two and less than two minutes, folks keep track. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I thought <laughs> John says F bomb note the time. Um, you know, I, I, I love Carol Kane. I'm not so sure how much I love Pelia right now. And I, it's not her fault for performance. I'm just not so sure I'm liking the way she's been utilized this season. She's been more of a, of a, a joke and a, convenient weird plot device in the time travel episode uh but so far i'm not particularly impressed with the character from a writing standpoint not the performance standpoint mm-hmm. uh so i i hope you're right about we're see we'll see more about pelia next season and the character may actually do something other than come in a couple of minutes every episode and insult somebody or talk about, oh, yeah, you were in my class and I, I hated it, but you did great and then wander off again. Well, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for an Ortegas episode, but 
We talked about that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm interested to see what they what they do on that front when we get to season three. Um, I was not expecting it. I had not been spoiled about Scotty showing up in this episode. So Neither when he I. popped in, I I thought it was I thought it was fun. I thought it was nice that this is almost certainly the origin story for Scotty on the Enterprise. Um, I was thrown a little bit by the fact that the the portrayal um, and the the characterization of Scotty in this episode was much closer to um, Simon Pegg's uh, Kelvin Universe Scotty because his accent was more authentic than Jimmy Doohan's. <laughs> no, it's because he was a lot more naive and a little bit wisecracky, and Scotty wasn't quite that. I get. I, energetic and aloof that was the word that yeah that's right i had been thinking of of aloof as a as a way to describe scotty in this episode and it it doesn't seem quite the same tone that was set in in tos i i would recommend to you two things one consider nobody's at their best in this episode uh and two go back and 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 watch scotty and tos he he was. Scotty was well, a piece yeah. of shit to us. When yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> when he's not being a piece of shit, go back and watch his his like the the episodes where he takes command of the ship and stuff. He's he was a he was a smirky son of snarky son of a bitch. Hmm. Uh, John makes a fine point, and we'll 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 wrap up the the Scotty talk and and move on to the next topic uh, with this. John says, "I don't necessarily see how Scotty showing up now is different than Kirk showing up." all the time. And I think that's a fine point. It's it is yet another TOS character that they're that they're showing us in in this series. And before John pointed this out just now, I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, it it really does line up uh v- very similar. In, He's in from head. the other show. It's yeah. He's I from mean, the other TV show. I'm not crazy. I mean, I, I, I'm not crazy about Kirk showing up all the time. I can't. I, I think they keep finding ways to wedge Kirk into these episodes. Uh, which I mean, true. Two only two of them have has he actually been there. The other times it's been like some alternate version of him or whatever. But it's still we're figuring out. Hey, we we got to stick Kirk in here somehow. Mainly because we don't, because Pike's not here, so we gotta have somebody. <laughs> we gotta have somebody in a yellow shirt. <laughs> and and by the way, Neek, one one day I think it would be a great conversation to have about TOS and and the misogyny in there because even as a kid, I had a real problem with Wolf in the Fold because I didn't think that they put Scott in the middle of it made it it, it always bothered me. And it, you know, and it was a terrible episode, just like with uh, with um, uh, the enemy within, where they're like, "Oh, Rand, don't worry, this wasn't the guy that raped you," and you know, it, and that that kind of crap all through the original series, I think is is more more a matter of, of the blame should be more put on the producers than the characters, and I real I would really like to see them kind of take that off of the characters. But I mean, the damage is done sort of thing. Like, you know, if you want to blame a producer, a writer, whoever, it's still, yeah. you know, canon. It's in there. We see Scotty being 
absolutely unhinged with jealousy when some, not even his girlfriend, just some girl he's after is like hit on by Apollo or whoever it was. And then, like you said, Wolf in the Fold, when, when he's just, and Bones is acting like it's no big deal. It's like, oh, the only reason he's being an absolute monster to all the women is because, you know, some chick didn't want to them. So uh, now let's just give him some sex workers yeah. and, and he'll be cured. And then it's like, and then it appears as though he killed someone and they're like, oh, well, he couldn't possibly have done that. He's a dude. We all know sex workers deserve to die. I mean, yes, obviously the writers and producers are to be blamed for that sort of awful storytelling. But the characters that's true. said yeah. these words. So that's that's part of... We can't just pick and choose which episodes we decide are canon or, or authentic or true to any particular character. <laughs> but I've already, <laughs> for my own sanity, headcanoned that, you know, Strange New Worlds, based on uh, the time travel episode, Tomorrow and <laughs> Four Billion Tomorrows, was... Strange New Worlds is a different timeline than TOS, so I can accept that this Scotty is a different Scotty, and maybe he's not going to turn into a garbage human. And and you're right, you're right. I uh, I may I am making excuses where I probably shouldn't. Good point. Another note that I had that I was could oh we're not moving on to that because John's got a, got a nice big comment. <clears throat> For the record, I'm fine with the amount of Pike we're getting. I may be alone on this, but I think there's finite screen time for them to do what TNG did and and feature other crew members. Spending too much time with just a couple of characters is one of the biggest strikes against Discovery for me. I'm happy to see Pike make space for other people. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird to see entire episodes where the captain doesn't is doesn't appear very much. It's just it's just strange that Pike has been absent as much as he's been in this in this season. And I know there's probably behind the scenes stuff. Uh, he he's he's probably expensive as hell you know and uh and uh they're trying to make room for for other stuff but to have pike absent so that they can cram kirk in there just seems strange to me but well i i think nick has brought it up before that um one of the most likely and and pro- probably the the biggest reason that we haven't seen pike very much is uh this season was being uh produced uh, very shortly after Anson Mount uh, had a had a child, I think his first child. So uh, it seems like he didn't have as much time to be on set and do the show because he was busy uh, being a dad. And that, especially with the time that that passes between seasons, I suspect we'll probably see more of Pike in season three because he's going to be more available when they when they start film if if they haven't well, started yeah. filming and i don't think no they haven't started filming because there's a strike going on right now and th- th- they may not start filming until sometime next year we may not see season three until 2025 i'm i'm bracing myself for that yeah if we ever get so three. by the time by the time uh season three comes around it's about sun will be like six years old so it'll be okay <laughs> well at, as of today uh talks are back on between the writers guild and the, the producers for whatever that's worth as, as we're recording. Yeah. Uh, the, the way that, uh, uh, producers and studios have been presenting themselves lately during the course of the strike, I will not hold out a lot of hope because I, I don't trust them. 
but I, I don't either. But just talks have, have begun again. Yeah. And and uh, and John says behind the scenes aside, this the, the way we get an Ahura episode and a Spock episode, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, which which has been nice. I they they didn't give us an episode to focus on everyone, Ortegas, but we did get uh, as especially with what John said about, about discovery discovery very much focuses on a very few characters and then the rest to get whatever's whatever time and attention is left over. So with having the, the focus episode to episode spread around the rest of the cast on strange new worlds, that's an aspect I have been enjoying. And speaking of other characters that get a little bit of attention more than they've gotten in the past, uh, there was a lot of time spent in this episode on looking for Christine as she was stranded on Cayuga. This was the big misstep I referred referred to. In, in, uh, in Would that misstep be <laughs> that they tried to create tension over whether or not Christine was still alive, considering the fact that we all know she obviously is? A lot of prequel shows try to do this. No, well, well, well for, first I want to find out if that was the misstep, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. It, it, no character has thicker plot armor. Well, characters have thicker plot armor than Spock and Christine. They are the ones we absolutely and, know cannot die in this series. And Sam. <laughs> and Pike. And Uhura. Oh, and right. Uhura. And Scotty. <laughs> Basically, Una is the only one that can. <laughs> Una and, and, and Ortegas, you know, and, 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 and Una? Sam. Una, Ortegas, Laan, we don't know their fates. Yeah. And Pelia. Other yeah. than that, we know that none of them can die. John says it wasn't a misstep, but it was unfortunate. It's the curse of a prequel. And I think that's what Sean was starting to say. Yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of prequels do this. You know, they, they, they go back and... Uh, and they do these stories with these young versions of these characters and they pretend like we don't know what their future is or something. Um, there were other characters that they could have created this tension with. They could have done it with, uh, what, what's her name? Batal, the, the captain that's Batal, yeah. Pike's girlfriend. Yeah. They could have done it with her. Um, but they wanted to create this story between Spock. They wanted Spock to be worried about, about her and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, they're creating, they're trying to create tension and it just doesn't work. So I'm watching this and I'm like, I mean, she's not, I, I, I said it probably three times while I'm watching the episode. My wife was like, just stop. I'm the only one here. Stop talking about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, cause I just kept saying she's not dead. I mean, she's not dead <laughs> unless, and I, I don't think Trek will ever do this unless it's, like Nick said, they want to go all out and say it's an alternate timeline and they kill somebody that's supposed to be alive. And that, Oh, you you just created a whole new thing. I don't think they'll ever do that. Not on a TV, not on a TV show trick like they did in the Kelvin movies and stuff like that. I don't think they'll ever do that, but if they did, Hey, my hat would have been off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, remember they killed uh Harry Kim in an episode of Voyager. Yeah. But we yeah. didn't care about that. <laughs> Well, it was an alternate Harry Kim that finished up the run of the series. And he didn't yeah. even get a promotion. Alternate by either. 10 minutes. It was, like <laughs> it was, it was a, a bare, barely alternate Harry. And I don't know that they ever referred to that particular plot element again after that episode. Yeah, That should have yeah. been the name of the episode. Barely alternate Harry. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I, I've, I have said many, many times over the last decade that I'm not a huge fan of reading the novels. Uh, but when the first discovery novel came out, I think it was written by Dayton Ward called Desperate Measures. No, it was, uh, it was, uh, uh, Mac, uh, David Mac, David Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a huge chunk of the book took place on this alien spaceship where Una and Spock were trapped and they had to solve a bunch of riddles to not die. It was like this giant escape room. And it was fun at first. And then after a while, it was like, we know these two can't die. This is getting tedious as hell. And I really got flashbacks to that in this episode. You know, I, I understood that the, you know, the, the, I love you. I love you too. I want to save you. We're, we're doing bad, but we need to be in peril together. But it's like, we know neither of them are in danger. And so it just, it just was, I don't know. It was annoying. I, I, that this was the only part of this episode that really didn't work for me that yet, like you said, there, there were, there are a small, but not insignificant number of people they could have put in there that it would have created tension. Mm. But putting those two there didn't didn't do anything. It would have created tension on the are they going to survive or not, but then you lose all the other tension that's created by it being pristine with the Spock relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that they, they were trying to focus on that and that emotional aspect for Spock. It would have worked if they weren't trying to trick us. You know, if they if they created the story in a way that Spock didn't know if she was alive, but we did, like we saw what happened to her from the beginning, it would have worked a little bit better than if they were trying to create a tension of is she alive? Is she not for the audience? That's obviously not it's not it's not going to work for them. You know, it's not going to well, work for us. So you could use that same, a, yeah, you could use that same argument then. You know, we know that she's going to, that she survived because we know, you know, we can see ahead in the timeline. Yeah, it just, it, it just, it, it, it irritated me that they were trying to show it in a way that, like, we're going to be fooled or something. If they had just, if they had shown us from the beginning what was actually going on, even though Spock didn't know, you know, I think that the story between Spock and her would have worked still without us feeling like, are they trying to make us feel like she's dead because she's not dead, you know, but that, I mean, that's John points out rightly that's for us, but we're not the whole audience. And his previous comment being pulling the camera back. I'm sure there's lots of people watching this show who really never saw the old show or shows, and maybe they can enjoy it, which is a perfectly valid point there. There've got to be new viewers that have never seen TOS that are watching this, that were honestly unsure oh it's a season finale are they are they gonna kill christine oh it's gonna be bad for spock um which and that would be legitimate dramatic tension yeah if i was a new viewer then that would have been a a nice uh you know em emotional kind of edge of my seat thing wondering oh is this gonna be a big uh season ending gut punch but there's but there's more there's more to tension, narrative tension, than just the knowledge of whether or not someone lives or dies. I, I'm not sure the show was trying to pull one over on us and, and make us 
worry that Christine wasn't going to make it. It was more about, you know, how is she going to survive? Is she going to make contact with Spock? Are they going to reunite? You know, there was more to it than just her survival, which is why for me, the annoying part of that story beat was not the fact that she survived. It was the fact that she was the Mm. only one who survived from the ship. I think it, it could have been a lot more interesting if it were her and, you know, a few others and they're all working together to do whatever. And then, you know, maybe they're red shirts and maybe all of them eventually die, but that could have created more tension. But I'm not convinced that the writers or whoever were, were trying to fool us into thinking she might be dead. Okay. That's, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. I, one one thing that did bother me watching it the second time through was that there really wasn't a comprehensive look to make sure anyone else was alive on the ship before they decided to use it as a missile. Yeah, I, I thought that was a missed opportunity. Oh, they scanned for life signs. They said they scanned for life signs. But they signs. didn't That's find a- Christine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they said they couldn't scan for life signs, though. So. Yeah, I mean, she also thought that beating on the glass was going to get Spock's attention when he was floating in space, but... Or not the glass, excuse me, the transparent aluminum. <laughs> another another reference to Alien, because in space, no one can hear you beat on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> that was an understandable reaction. That that was just emotion, not, not hear this. Because <laughs> her, her flashlight wasn't working. Because, of course, all tech in Starfleet worked perfectly until you need it. Until you need it, yeah. <laughs> Or the fact that the Enterprise were the ones who almost fired on her, even if she survived. If they had fired it, the whole fired it wouldn't have been a whole thing. It was less about sound. Oh, less about sound than waving her arms. Uh, John, uh, or the fact that the Enterprise were the ones who almost fired on her. I wasn't quite sure why she was shouting at Spock either. I mean, it makes sense, but <laughs> he's not going to hear you. <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't bother me. Yeah. Um, I did. I I do need to um, defer to Rick, and do a little. I'm sorry, John. John did mention earlier. Um, hashtag canon is stupid. <laughs> but I need a canon integrity check. Okay. We've got Scotty who uh, fled and survived a Gorn attack, and we have Spock straight up killing the hell out of a grown ass Gorn. Yes. By by trying essentially stabbing it in the face it only broke it only broke the mask though that's okay that's all you need in a vacuum but does do these elements retcon arena in any way nope because because it's been too long since i watched arena so i I don't know there, there was no okay there was no reason why they would they they never saw the ship it was always just kind of a the uh uh just a a distant point of light. They never got close enough to see it. They just knew something attacked them on Cestus three. The ship fled. They chased it. Then the Metrons captured both ships and threw the Gorn and Kirk down onto this planet for them to fight. Uh, at no time did Spock ever. The Spock Spock had no reason to know it was the Gorn and. They didn't even know it was the Gorn until the Metrons decided to let both crews see what was going on. And by that point, the Metrons had told Kirk he was fighting a Gorn 
and presumably had told Nagorn he was fighting a human. So there was nothing in this episode that had a that conflicted with anything that happened in Arena. Okay. The the exposure like the the Enterprise crew's exposure to the Gorn in Arena is what I was fuzzy on because it's been too long. So I didn't know how much they knew about what was happening. It it was I mean other than the fact that the Gorn in that episode was you know literally a dude in a rubber dinosaur suit and it was, was moving a slowly. Kurt could never have killed <laughs> the Gorn we just saw. Um, but again, you know, we're talking 50 years ago and, you know, it was what it was then. Oh, I won't disparage Star Trek costumes that much. It was not a slee stack. It was, mu- it was no, much it was better, better than, than a slee stack. <laughs> slee stacks are just. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, Sean made a funny face and he. And he moved around like a uh, <laughs> like HR stuff monster. <laughs> John says, uh, no, Enterprise had to hit the part of the ship she was in to make it crash into the Gorn signal disruptor thing. If they hadn't gotten her out, they would have killed her. Cannon notwithstanding, sorry, Spock. Sorry, Spock placed detonators not fired on? What? Those weren't, he, they weren't he, detonators, he, they were rockets. He, he, he misspoke. When he said fired on, he meant placing the the uh, thrusters that oh, moved oh, okay. the Cayuga. Gotcha. Oh, okay. If they had placed those thrusters and fired them, sending the saucer into the planet, then they would have killed Christine. Can I just say I really enjoyed that they were that Scott's uh, Spock's scanners made the TOS noises. <laughs> I did and notice some that. Of displays too it had some of the same. The the more. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And one other thing, I I just want to read you this note I wrote. You're an extra in Star Trek. Yay! You get to sleep in a 20th century diner. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's not all bad. That diner still had plenty of donuts in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Old, stale donuts. Um, Countertop donuts, the best way to survive. Anybody get any um, um, memories of... um, into darkness when Spock was flying through space in that suit. I mean, I, I, I want to say that it reminded me of the motion picture, but it reminded me of into darkness more. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause they're, they were flying face first. When he's flying through space. Yeah. It, it didn't make me think of into darkness. All that I was thinking of was, all right, he's got one is essentially one foot locker tied to his ankle how the hell is he getting so many thrusters out of that one box? There were only two. <laughs> that, no, there, no, because he no, put two right there, and he two. was going to go put two more at, a, at another point somewhere on the ship. So I don't think two would have done I thought the there were only two. I think I saw him place at least three. And at, regardless, that box was only big enough to hold one based on the I, size I, I, of the Yeah, I granted it two, but... I, and and like Neek, you put in your in your your your. Would you rather we stop calling it a neat cap? <laughs> I don't know if that bothers you or not. Okay. Oh, I don't, I don't mind. Um, I think it's funny. Why the hell is Spock the only one who could do that? Because I didn't see anything superhuman happening in that. He just flew over there and put a couple of four foot rockets on the on the on the the hull. There was no reason nobody could have done that. Because Spock is, Spock is the only one with the with the um, uh, storage case of holding. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, he hadn't had a whole lot to do up to that point in the episode, other than sit on the bridge and and talk about zombie movies. That does not. That in no <laughs> way explains his conceit that he is the only one on the ship that could do this. He <laughs> was the only one that uh, could aim it, man. You know, just by eyesight, and not mm-hmm. have to go through everything else. Because I mean, I would imagine if a thruster is not pointing the right direction it ain't going the way they want it to yeah <laughs> and and john backs you up tom uh with his latest comment science guy most smart to know where the place where to place rocket go goes what tom said <laughs> if only they had a computer that could tell them where to put spock smarter than the computer come on all right so here's something that i wanted to ask and this can uh dovetail nicely into um uh, expectations and theorizing for the, uh, part two of this story when it eventually comes out in season three. Uh, to begin, did we or do we expect uh, Battelle to survive? So first off, we can talk about whether did, was anyone expecting that she was not going to live to see the end of this episode? And then when we got to the cliffhanger, do we think she's going to make it to the end of 301? I was glad they didn't immediately fridge her. I wasn't expecting there to be a problem until we had the the, the alien Ripley face-off. Uh, I think they will save her. I think they will figure out a way to to save her. I think if, if she hadn't made it back to the ship and gotten to stasis, then we would have seen some sort of you know heroic self-sacrifice. But the fact that she's back on the ship and in stasis, I think that means they're going to find a way to save her, which I'm fine with. I like her character. I like her with Pike. I would really like to see her not just get thrown away as a way to make Pike sadder. Yeah. I kind of lean in the other direction, not because it's something that I want him to do, but I think that she's going to end up in some way sacrificing herself because and I don't want it to be because it needs to make Pike sadder, but Obviously, um, there has to be a break at some point because Pike is not with her. When we his, don't know that. When his, well, he sure we don't does. Know that. Quickly we don't know go anything to, about his personal life other than he saved a bunch of cadets. Yeah. Well. Okay. But the 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 the, the spot thing. The spot goes and saves him and takes him to another planet where he immediately goes with this other woman and he doesn't like. There's no. There's no, oh, but I can't because I love this other woman or what. No, he doesn't do that. He just goes with her. So, There's a lot of time in between there. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue something that I don't know what's going to happen for another two but, well, years. But, probably, I'm, but, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm not arguing with the possibility. I'm just saying we don't know that Pike is not with her when his accident happens. That there is there is no canonical reason why they couldn't still be together or have been together and broken up or you know we don't know that she's not in his life at that point so there's no, no reason no, to we don't, expect right. they have we to don't kill know that. her. No, I don't think they have to kill her. I just think they will. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's 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 a totally fine uh, opinion. They don't have to kill anybody, but they enjoy it. <laughs> Re- regarding Battelle, John says maybe they're on a break. 
<laughs> yeah. which is entirely possible. He also says, um, when we're talking about thinking that she's going to survive, John says, I hope so, but genuine tension in not knowing, which I, I agree um, that, yes, wondering if if she was going to be alive on the planet, if she was going to live to the end of the episode, uh, that was some of, of that was some actual tension in the episode because we did not know the answer. Because we um, and don't don't, don't forget to read to the part where he says, "For the record, I agree with Rick." That, yeah, <laughs> he did say that. John John says, "I would rather she survive, though." For the record. I agree with Rick. Then he <laughs> says, maybe they're on a break. Um, and he, he also points out they have to kill Sam eventually, but no, they don't. I don't know if that's true because Sam dies in TOS, right? Yeah. He dies yeah. on, on, uh, on the, in operation annihilate. Nick, I just want to make sure I know I'm, I'm blabbering a lot. Are, are you getting the airtime you need? Or are we talking over you? I wasn't greatly moved by this episode. Um, and, and perhaps that's the most disappointing thing about this episode for me is that I don't care. I don't care about the cliffhanger. I don't care whether or not Battelle survives. I think I, I like Battelle just because I like the actress who plays her, but I don't feel like we know that much about Battelle. She hasn't been given a lot to do. And so I, I'm not attached to her as a character. So I don't really care if she survives and I, I I'm not sure I even care about Lon and Ortegas that much like I know they're I I don't feel like there's any tension in the cliffhanger because you know obviously they're going to solve the situation somehow so I, I I'm not feeling that sense of you know, best of both worlds where I was like, Oh my God, how will I ever get through this summer? Not knowing. Uh, I know it's probably going to be years before we get a resolution. So I'm just sort of like, whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel that emotionally attached to this particular storyline. You're not wrong. I, I kind of feel the same way. I just kind of chalked it up to, you know, I've been watching Star Trek do this for 50 years now. And we know that this isn't Game of Thrones. We're not going to see the bridge crew torn in half by Gorn. You know, it's it's going to be everything's going to be fine. Uh, my, you know, my biggest problem with the cliffhanger, if we're you know we're kind of jumping ahead, I know, but my biggest problem with this episode, all you know, with everything that happened, was Pike's indecision at the end that felt really contrived to give us a cliffhanger because Pike going, I, I don't know what to do. And it's like, I didn't even read it as indecision. I, I read it as I am aware that this is a cliffhanger. Therefore the camera is going to pound it on my face and I have to look shocked. Yeah, I didn't even exactly. read it as indecision. I just thought he was just like, you know, contemplating the situation. Well, I, when I no there's no um, question as to what will happen next. Yeah. When when they went to number one and she's like, orders, Captain? And I'm like, is is this like, you know, Captain Esteban of the Grif Grissom? <laughs> this is Captain Christopher Pike. He's not going to lose his shit at the last minute and not know what to do. And that was my biggest problem with the with the cliffhanger end of this was 
they had Pike going, I'm torn between this and that. And it's like that. No, no, not Christopher Pike, not Jim Kirk. Any other captain? Sure. But these, this, you know, this guy, no. And that really bothered me. It felt it was so contrived just to give us a cliffhanger. I would have preferred there be a reason why he couldn't make it make the call. You know, a panel had blown up in his face and, you know, he was on it and there were 14 Gorn ships pointing at the Enterprise or something. But him not being able to make a decision was kind of lame. In my opinion. I don't know, what, what do you guys think? Tom, Sean, what do you think of the 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 specific point where they where they set the cliffhanger uh, in in this particular crisis? <laughs> John says a crew has no name. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> he, well, he, I he mean, put that in there before I before I was truly aware that we had like re- resumed the podcast. Oh, listeners, we had a recording snafu, but we're back. And I didn't fully realize it until we had already been back for a couple minutes. Uh, John replied to a game of Thrones reference. And I thought it was very funny. Oh, John has more. <clears throat> All right. I'm not reading it ahead first. I'm just doing it cold right now. I thought about what you guys discussed before about Pike being a rule follower guy. I didn't think he panic but I took it as weighing the consequences. I agree. He's obviously going to do what he's going to do. I really blame the director and editor for holding on him for longer than he should have. Art yes. Regarding Pike. And and that I'll agree. I thought, and Sean, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll let you say your thing in a second. I, yeah. uh, I, I thought with the way they set up the end, it, to make it seem as though, Pike was uncertain. Am I going to follow orders? Am I going to withdraw? We're being fired on by multiple ships. We're in a bad situation, but I've got crew members and a whole bunch of colonists that have been taken by the Gorn and I got to get them back. But Marie is in sick bay in a bad way. And we're being told that we have to leave right now. What's, what's the best decision? with him not being sure for a moment what to do, I thought that was telling as far as well, this is actually a situation that has Pike uh, a a little bit on his heels. You don't often see that. And I thought it was interesting, but then that moment kept going and then it became, all right, now he's, he's not even trying a moment of indecision. Fine. But this was way too many moments of indecision. So I, I did not care for that, and that goes along with with what John said, and I thought he made a great point. Sean, if, if they had done a, a you know a, a TOS pull in onto Pike's face, and then cut, that would have worked. But going to number one, going orders, Captain, that's what f- it up for me. I didn't, I mean I didn't really have a major problem with the way it ended. I knew I mean once that once I realized that it was going to end on a cliffhanger, I mean anything that they did I, I? I mean, I would have been fine if they had done something like completely off the wall to end it. Like if Pike had looked at the camera and said "Black Alert" or something <laughs> like that. He's like, "Oh, the Enterprise is a spore drive." Other than that, I mean, I didn't. I didn't have a major problem with it, but I wasn't thinking about it that hard either. So, mm. <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap everything up by 
one question to go around the table. What is Pike going to do in season three, episode one? What's his play going to be? Tom? Probably, I, I think they're going to pull back and just uh, regroup and go back around. It'll be very brief of a retreat. Okay. Is that first thing back from the, the hiatus? Yeah. Neek. They're going to go after other peeps. All right. Save the crew. Rick, what do you think he's going to do? We're going to see the inside of a Gorn ship and they're going to figure, they're going to figure out some way to captain. There's a slight fluctuation in their deflector shields and we can beam in, in that millisecond that it's fluctuating down. And then we all have these mirror suits that make the Gorn think we're Gorn and it's going to be as bogus (laughs) as going on board a Gorn, a Borg ship. Okay. So strange new world season three is going to suck is no, you're saying that the way they're going to end this episode is going to suck. This is, this is one of my problems that star Trek has ever since they had ever since best of both worlds, part one, they do this and I, and I'm not sure that that's what they're doing, but that's what I'm assuming. They do these two part episodes without knowing what the second part's going to be. Because that's why well, they, they don't calls. always do that. But most, you're right. Most of the time they do that. But I wouldn't say they always do that. Eh. <laughs> but I mean, Best of Both Worlds Part Two was did not end well. You know, ended all right, but it was nowhere near as good as the first part. It's always easy. It's easier to write the scary cliffhanger than it is to wrap it up satisfactorily. Yeah, you can write yourself into a corner a, a lot more easily than you can write yourself out of it. John thinks they know exactly how they're going to end this. I, I, um, I hope I'm wrong. I honestly do because I, I, for the most part, I like what they've done with this show when they're good, they're great, but when they're bad, they're dire. And I, yeah, I thought this was a, a, an acceptable cliffhanger, you know, despite all, you know, what we've said, but I don't see an, a, a way, you know, they've, I think they've painted themselves into a corner with this. I don't see how they're going to get out of it. And I'd love to be wrong. I really hope there's a, a, an amazing, whoa, that was so unexpected ending. But I, you know, I've been watching Star Trek too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sean, what do you think Pike is going to do? First scene of season three, they'll be sitting in the ready room and it'll say two weeks later and Pike will say, well, that happened. <laughs> and they'll be on to the next adventure (laughs) not bad not bad um i'll i'll give john another moment to type out a um a theory if he cares to share one he says Um, save the crew maybe a little little impregnable invisible shutter shuttle as an an in in, i have zero doubt they know exactly how they're ending this maybe pike and patel have to raise a little baby gorn together oh (laughs) <laughs> I I think that she's gonna it's she's gonna have that selfless sacrifice in order to to finish the whole story to prevent war between the Federation and the Gorn. Well, just she's uh, gonna take it to the Gorn. What if this baby is the is the one that Kirk has to fight in arena? <laughs> <laughs> no, my headcanon is that the one that Kirk fights in arena is like senior citizen Gorn. That's how he's able to 
to get by as well as he did. I will say I like the oh, fight man. scene with the Gorn in this episode better than you know Kirk and Gorn throwing rocks at each other. Well, what about Archer? <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't speak of that. Yes, we don't. <laughs> uh, John posits that uh, season three will open with a freeze frame. Yeah, that's me. You're probably wondering how we got in this situation. <laughs> um, I or it'll it'll show them. It'll be the same scene. It'll show. Uh, uh, Pike about to, you know, they're 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 closing in on his face, and then it'll say two hours earlier, and it'll cut to a conversation he was having with Ortegas, where they're talking about some magic button. If you ever get into a situation, just push this button, and you know, this is what happens. <laughs> They'll activate the Omega Thirteen. No, <laughs> um, I I think uh, season three is going to open with with Pike following orders uh, and not going to save the crew. But then as we've already stated, yeah, they're going to, they're going to back off. They're going to regroup. They're going to use Scotty's device to sneak onto the Gorn ship. They're going to save all the people and simultaneously learn something about the Gorn that shows maybe they're not monsters after all. (laughs) Scott, uh, John says, beat me to it, Scott on the Omega 13 reference. Mm I'm going to hold that victory. I beat John to a decent joke one time. Was that our first Galaxy Quest reference on this show? It can't be. Possibly. No. <laughs> probably Highly probably not. John points out that he's typing and I'm talking, so I do have an unfair advantage on beating him to the joke. But I don't care. I'm still going to hold on to it as we wrap up this episode. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to let it go. I can have it for at least two more minutes as we wrap up. Um, that brings us to the end of this episode of that Star Trek podcast. Um, moving forward, we don't have new Trek, at least for a minute. Um, I can't remember exactly when Lower Decks is going to premiere their fourth season. It's in September. So it's, I mean, it's only a couple weeks. Uh, so, uh, in the time in between, I can't handle that. Uh, it's almost already fricking September. Yeah. <laughs> the time in between now and then. Uh, we might have some supplemental supplemental episodes. We have to one. Out. We have recorded. one. There is one episode, one supplemental <laughs> Star Trek podcast, uh, where uh, a few of us, uh, myself not included, uh, did a general season two uh, overview uh, and discussed a few few topics that have been on mind throughout the season. Some unanswered questions. I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. That will come out when it comes out and we have been discussing a few other topics that we might get into just to tide listeners over until lower decks begins. Lower uh, decks starts on September 7th in the U S so about two and a half weeks from oh, now. Cool. All right. So you won't have, you won't have too long to wait. Um, and we'll, we'll try to give you guys a little something more between now and then. Uh, but until we get to that fated day where we begin season four of lower decks, we're going to say goodbye to all of you listeners out there by going around the table and everyone can say where they can be found on the internet. Uh, Sean, big boss man, we're going to start with you. You can find me uh, at infinitepotato.com. I'm on Cosmic Potato. I'm on this show and I bounce around. I'm, you know, you find me here and there and everywhere. <laughs> all right. Uh, like a gummy bear. <laughs> <laughs> I adventure. That's beyond compare. 
Tom, do you have anything that you want to share with the listeners out there? You can find me here. In fact, you can find me in the big chair on our season two retrospective episode. And I just realized that I really failed in my intro to make a a brotherly reference there. But uh, otherwise, on this podcast and occasionally on Cosmic Potato or Infinite Potato or the Super Fan Talk podcast, whichever it is, I always mess that up. The show is Cosmic Potato. The network is Infinite Potato. I prefer mashed potatoes. Neek, where can the listeners find you on the internet? They can go to superanemic.com to read my weekly recaps of Star Trek episodes. Right now, I'm recapping season two of TNG. And you can stay right here at this network and listen to Moon Show. Moon Show. Moon Show. Moon Show. Moon Show. <laughs> A For All Mankind podcast. Um, at the time of this recording, the most recent uh, uh, super anemic recap was for Times Squared, and I thought it was fantastic. Making lots of good points that even I haven't thought of, and I've been watching that episode for years and years and years and years and years and years. And Rick, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me right here on uh, Star Trek, that Star Trek podcast. You can also find me on Moon Show. Moon Show. Moon Show. <laughs> uh and uh on uh cosmic potato and occasionally on captain game show the show the absent but very vocal john uh, irons hosts and, and he has typed moon show both times very dutifully um moon three show. times now <laughs> uh and hopefully soon uh i seem to be getting less and less covid riddled as time goes on once i can uh talk without coughing my guts out for uh, more than a few minutes, I will be beginning my all new Geekly World, uh, g- yeah, Geekly World News <laughs> show. <laughs> all the news you nerd to know. It will be a weekly roundup of uh, of all the genre news I can find. Uh, John points out in reference to Sean kind of bouncing around. He says that he's podcast fluid, <laughs> and I like that. It sounds uh, gross. <laughs> Uh, I can be found various places here on the Infinite Potato Alliance and outside of podcasting you can check out some of my graphic artwork on my website www.planetrisecreative.com and with that we want to thank everyone for listening for downloading for hopefully subscribing to this podcast Uh, tune in very soon when our season 2 retrospective show is released and uh, keep your eyes peeled for uh, the week after September 7th, where we will be releasing season four, episode one review of Lower Decks. And with that, thanks for listening, everyone, and goodbye. Stay fresh, cheese balls. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter. Or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast. Oh, the Enterprise is a spore drive! Or some shit like that, you know, that would have been great. But other than that... I mean, 
What was that noise? <laughs> I don't I don't know. It kind of sounded like somebody <laughs> farting, but it wasn't me. <laughs> I was not looking at the screen. I assumed that someone did not like your black alert <laughs> joke and just decided to make a fart noise into their microphone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was but, me. yeah other than that 